Mic check, one, two, one, two. It's a Take Sick and Sit a Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and we back. Back for another episode. The podcast of many tastes. Let's go. Yes, indeed, we are back for another episode. Let's go. Yeah, I know you hit us often, but girl, I'm really bossing. I'm trying to listen, but these diamonds on me talking. You looking gorgeous, the reason I'm approaching. Could be posed, don't be the ocean, what it costs. Have you ever been to texting KKOs? We can lay low. I spent a little bankroll, that's it, Rodeo. Wanna see that model face go, or that paper. Maybe even hit Barbados, see how the day goes, huh? So just blow this joint, maybe go blow a joint. As we get high, we start to talk about our lowest points. Girl, I know that you take care of everything you need I just wanna get everything you want So baby, let me pay for your nails So what's your sale? We don't have to shop with some sale Gucci Chanel Yeah, I see you feeling yourself You fine as hell Said she get it from my mama I met her, I could tell Just like your mama Can we have this moment? I just wanna know you, baby Love how you put that shit on I just want to see what you like See, I was thinking breakfast in the morning Stilo. Anything to keep the evening going, baby Anything to keep your hands on Yeah, baby. let me talk to just want to Young OG a bad bitch is good company, bosses need good company I like it when they bougie but be in the hood comfortably I like when they be talking they shit and do it humbly Say sick and sit a podcast, let's go for me. Baby that's rhetorical, my shot is historical Shoot it like Steph 2018 at the Oracle I just wanna hang out my jersey cause you worthy I passed the 42 like Irvin when I was serving They have been coming straight at the kid but I have been curving Truth is I could have hit it but I have been swerving I just wanna be what you like. Hand you the car keys, you be be what you like. Take you to Chanel and see see what you like. Hit the DD and BB with your ice. Uh, match this fly, catch this vibe. I'm on my way to the top. You tryna catch this ride? Say to the podcast. Let's go. Have this I just wanna know you, baby. Love how you put that shit on me. I just want to see what you like. Say sick and sit up podcast. So what you say? My car never moves from the front. My engine go room in the trunk. It's what I do, not a stunt. I never been a two, I'm the one. I can heat the pool if you want. Smoke the smoothest of blunts. Really depending all on your vibe. A nigga got Say sick and sit up podcast. The podcast of many tastes. Can we have this moment? I just wanna know you, baby. Love how you put that shit on me. I just want to see what you like. See, I was thinking breakfast in the morning. Anything to keep the evening going, baby. Anything to keep it on. Say, sick and sit Yes, indeed. Taste to consider podcast. We are back for another episode that was Stilo featuring Fabulous and Aaron Ray, Uncle Elroy. 
Man, we are back for another episode. Yes, indeed, we are back. Feeling good to be back. Man, um, I just got to start out with saying um, thanks to everybody who listened to the podcast, everybody who hit me up about the show last week. The wanted, unwanted black men. I appreciate that. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling good about, you know what I'm saying, the new season so far. Um, yeah. Um, uh, got the YouTube up and running, finally. I'm... Um, <laughs> Look, I'm a I'm an army of one over here by myself with the podcast. Army of one doing everything the uh pre-production, recording, post-production, uh finding topics, putting the topics together, all that. I'm an army of one over here. Shit. Right now you're listening to the second take because I forgot to hit record <laughs> on the recorder. Yeah, so yeah, I'm an army of one over here, man. It's it's um it's cool though, you know. Uh I love the fact that, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. Um I love all the feedback that I'm getting. I appreciate all the people who have shared each and every episode since I've been recording the podcast, the Taste Sickness of the Podcast. And particularly thanks to everybody who who has shared the podcast the past two episodes of this new season. Um I appreciate that. I didn't ask you to do it and you did it. I mean, that's like I was saying last episode. Independent content creators, we can't go nowhere without the people who are actually, you know, taking the time to share our our art our content, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying, share it, pass it along, and it don't cost you nothing, and I appreciate everybody who do it, because, you know, I know how it is, I mean, I know popularity reigns in this world, so a lot of people won't share stuff unless you got a certain buzz around you, but, I mean, just to, just to say it, and I know this for a fact, my podcast is, is the shit, my podcast, if if it was surrounded with popularity and if I was a celebrity, because you see all these celebrities out here just popping up with podcasts, but I put a lot of time and effort into this podcast to to be able to record every week. And my shit is better than a lot of people's shit out here. I mean, I'm not trying to get on, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to, <laughs> trying to talk down to people and nothing like that, but my shit is, you know what I'm saying? My shit is, my podcast I need to stop calling it my shit for one thing. <laughs> my podcast is one of the best podcasts out here, hands down. I know it for a fact because I I list, like I said, plenty of times on this podcast. I study. I'm a researcher. I I do a lot of studying, researching, listening, all that. My podcast is one of the best podcasts out here. But I need y'all help to make it go further, you know what I'm saying, to reach even more people. But we back for another episode. Um, Yeah. 
I don't know where to start. Where to start? Uh, recap of last show. Let me look. Let me shoot. I'm talking about where should I start, and I got the outline right in front of my face. Um, let me move some of this stuff out the way. Uh, like I said, I'm on YouTube, A Taste to Consider Podcast. Just put it in the search. It'll pop up. Um, I'm also on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Amazon, Stitcher, uh, yeah, I think that's it, but you know what I'm saying, the, the link is in my bio, A Taste to Consider Podcast on Instagram, so check that out, give me a follow, all that good stuff, you know what I'm saying, you know what to do, and one thing, when you listen to the podcast, download the podcast so I can get my numbers, relevant numbers, and once you download it, you can listen to it and then delete it off your phone or whatever device you're using. So, yeah, we're back for another epi- episode. Uh, recapping, recapping um, of the last show. Last show, like I said, was the wanted, unwanted black men. Great episode. Got a lot of great feedback from it. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. Um, Shoot, I'll get into uh, what. Well, hold on, let me start out with <laughs> what well, this ties into the last episode. So, remember, I was talking about you know, what I'm saying I did the movie and TV reviews and stuff like that, and I did a review of a journal for Jordan, and I was talking about Shante Adams and Neil Long and stuff like that. <laughs> and a friend, a good friend of the show said to me i like well they've been saying this to me for a minute because they already know they was like i like (laughs) i like women that look like cats (laughs) because my celebrity crushes are nia long and shantae adams is the new celebrity crush she you know i'm saying she gives off that nia long vibe she you know i'm saying that natural that natural beauty type thing going on you know i'm saying and <laughs> it was just funny because, you know what I'm saying, I don't really, I never considered myself a person to have, a man to have a certain taste in a woman, you know what I'm saying? Um, I just look at it like all women are beautiful in their own in their own way. But yeah, these two women are my celebrity crushes. Of course I got other, you know what I'm saying, other celebrity crushes and I've had other celebrity crushes over the years. But I think I might have to look back at some of these celebrity crushes and see if they look like cats. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Nia Long and Shantae Adams. Shantae Adams is the actress that played in A Journal for Jordan, as well as the photograph, and as well as the Shantae Shantae movie on Netflix. In the last episode, I fucked their name up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm notorious for messing up somebody's name on the podcast. I said her name was Shantae Smith. <laughs> her name is Shantae Adams. So, yeah, Shantae Adams and Nia Long. But um, also, um, last episode, I brought up the um, the Moynihan Report. AKA also known as the Negro family. Um, and I told, you know what I'm saying? I brought it up, you know, just for 
context purposes of some of the topics that I was speaking on on the last episode. And I did some more reading on it, actually. And let me let me pull up some stuff that I thought was interesting about it. So um, it says at the heart of deterioration, deterioration, I'm fucking up the word like (laughs) maybe I was pregaming too much. Who knows? But deterioration of the fabric of Negro society is the deterioration of the Negro family. And I thought that was interesting because um, throughout this this report, I haven't fully finished reading it. But one of the things that um, the whole purpose of this report, the Moynihan report, was he was talking about basically how the... Black people, black people's problems or back in back when he actually wrote the report in the 60s, Negro, Negro families, the Negro American families problem was the fact that their the Negro family wasn't healthy. And I'm 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 speaking in my own terms at this point based off of my read, my reading the black family, the, the black the the black people's problems or their plight in american society is because of the unhealthy black family and um he was basically making the point of you know what i'm saying everything starts with your family your you know your basic family structure you know in, with any family white families Asian families, Arab families, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Everything, the foundation of your, these quote unquote ethnicity or races of people starts with the families. And he was talking, he was basically saying that, you know, um, even though there's other factors in place of why black people have suffered and have so many traumatic issues in history, he was basically saying that the uh, deterioration of the black family is the sole cause of it, you know. And I thought that was interesting. I mean, I agree with the report to a certain extent. I do, you know what I'm saying? I talk about systematic racism, systemic racism on this podcast plenty of times. But I do feel like there are multiple factors in place that, you know what I'm saying, is the cause of the um, the black American family's issues. You know what I'm saying? Um, he says, in this report it says, a fundamental insight of psychoanalytic theory, for example, is that the child learns a way of looking at life in his early years through which all later experience is viewed and which profoundly shapes his adult content, content, conduct, I'm sorry, excuse me, adult conduct. And I, I totally agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
I mean, speaking on a lot of topics of mental health, mental illness and stuff like that on this podcast, you know what I'm saying? A lot of everything, our childhood shapes everything that goes on with us today. Um, Let me see what some other points that I wanted to make from this report. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting um, that was said was it says a number of immigrant groups were characterized by unusually strong family bonds. These groups have characteristically progressed more rapidly than others. And when I when I read when I read that portion earlier, I was thinking to myself how, you know, you see all these immigrant families coming over here, um, Asian families, Arab families. You see uh, Hispanic families and stuff come over here and they jumping out. They 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 over here for like a good month or so or something like that. And they got already got businesses. They got their own towns and all that other stuff because they already had their strong family bond in their own country before they came over here. And you you see that a lot when you think about a lot of their family structures that you have some of them over here in America and they working, got their own businesses and stuff like that. They living, they all living together. They sending money over to their families and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? They have this strong foundation and this strong bond with each other. And that's something that quote unquote black American families don't have over here because you know what I'm saying? Our family structure, we, we, we have been conditioned to have our family structures torn apart so we look at it in our minds of there's you know what i'm saying this is part of our culture which is a weird thing but it's totally psychological psychologically we look at at this as the norm for our families to be separated for our families not to have strong bonds and this even outside of the immediate family this goes to turn with you know what i'm saying cousins uncles aunts and all that other stuff where there still ain't no strong bond right there we have a lot of tension a lot of beefing within our family structures and that ain't no coincidence but we look at it as you know what i'm saying quote unquote culture you know what i'm saying like we joke about this shit you know what i'm saying we've seen plenty of st- videos memes and stuff like that on social media that jokes at our um (laughs) our (laughs) our dysfunctional families and um i got a clip that i'm gonna pull up and i didn't know if i was going going to have an opportunity to pull this clip up but i think this uh what i just said gave me uh, an opening for it and I'll save that clip because I know I'm going to have to use it several times. <laughs> but, yeah, we look at a lot of things that we do today in, in the quote-unquote black families and just the black, quote-unquote, black culture overall in America as something that is normal. And it's not. <laughs> so let me play this clip real quick. Let me cue it up. All right, here we go. 
one of my colleagues, his name is Resma Minikin, and I think he just says it so poignantly. I don't think that it really could be said any better, but he says that trauma decontextualized within a person looks like personality. And that trauma mm. decontextualized within a family looks like family traits. And that trauma mm. decontextualized within a people looks like culture. Come wow. on. Oh, Can, wow. Laura, hit the organ. Hit the organ right now. <laughs> wow. So just, so just like really let that marinate wow. as you start to think about people and families and, and, and groups of people right? No matter what community you belong to, especially if we talk about different minority groups or hidden minorities or whatever you want to call different folks, right? We've got all this trauma and it looks like culture because we don't know what to call it. We don't know what to do with it. Hey, I mean, like when, when I, when I saw this video, I was like, damn, there's nothing but the truth because it's like, we look at things as if in the black culture in America, we look at things, you know what I'm saying? Think about the term black excellence, black girls rock, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? We get caught up into these cliche terms and they keep us trapped into the 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 exact mindset that we shouldn't be caught up into. You know what I'm saying? Just like with black excellence, we look at things like, you know what I'm saying, um, uh, black excellence is only tied to black f- fame and 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 wealth, not even wealth, being rich, being rich and being black. You know what I'm saying? We think that's synonymous with black excellence and stuff like that. And we we sit around and think, you know what I'm saying, like materialism and being able to post this and post that on social media or whatever is is black excellence. We tie black excellence to to things that got to do with degrees, um, how much money you got, what car you driving, uh, the black, like I said already, black fame, uh, materialism, being having money and stuff like that. And this is all tied to that, you know what I'm saying, that mindset of 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 thinking that that is actually our culture, but that isn't our culture. Some aspects of it, yeah, because, you know what I'm saying, if you want to look at it to a degree, you know, um, depending on what your lineage is and stuff like that, we are part of, we've had royalty in our lineage and stuff like that. But we we totally get caught up into um, the structure of, of white society the beauty aspect the material aspect and stuff like that and we be doing things that's overly 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 pushed overly saturated and stuff like that when the white people aren't even doing that you have wealthy white people that ain't walking around with gold chains and watches and stuff like that and all that other stuff. And, you know, I know y'all probably like, damn, why you being so serious? Why you being so serious? But I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? If we not having these conversations, when is it going to get to the point where things start to change? And as long as we keep having this mindset of, you know what I'm saying, we've made it because we got money in our pockets or we're a celebrity and stuff like that, or we a social media influencer and stuff, then it's never going to be to the point where we actually heal, tra- heal the trauma, the collective trauma that we have, individual trauma, all that, just trauma, period. 
<laughs> oh man. I I didn't I ain't wanna be so serious, but damn. <laughs> it be so hard sometimes because you know what I'm saying I just gotta be me. I just gotta be me. <laughs> um I got uh I got a couple of clips. So um let me play this first one. Um yeah, let me play this first one. I might not play the second one. It depends on how the flow goes. Yeah, so let me pull this clip up. Let me make sure it's it's cued correctly. Uh let me let you know what I am drinking and smoking. I was going to open up one of my um moonshines, but I decided not to. I, I decided to finish off my uh my tequila my Terramana tequila so I'm, I'm finishing the Terramana tequila off it's like i got those four jars of uh moonshine and i haven't opened them yet it's like i'm waiting for a special occasion but i feel like <laughs> i feel like i don't want to open it and drink it by myself i feel like i want to share it <laughs> with people um but yeah uh what am i smoking i'm smoking a uh alec bradley sanctum cigar a sanctum robusto cigar um i done let it die down let me go ahead and light this jump real quick All right, I got the cigar back up. So I'm going to play this clip. This clip is a Malcolm X speech. I played this clip before on the previous podcast. I don't remember which one. But it's titled, um, You're a Political Chump. (laughs) So let me play this clip, and we'll get back into the topics. Twenty-two million black victims of Americanism are waking up and they're gaining a new political consciousness, becoming politically mature. And as they become, uh, develop this political maturity, they're able to see the recent trends in these uh, political elections. They see that the whites are so evenly divided that every time they vote, uh, the race is so close, they have to go back and count the votes all over again. And that, 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 which means that any black any minority that has a block of votes that stick together is in a strategic position. Either way you go, that's who gets it. You're, you're in a position to determine who goes to the White House and who stay in the doghouse. You're the one who has that power. You can keep Johnson in Washington, D.C., or you can send him back to his Texas cotton patch. You're the one who sent Kennedy to Washington. You're the one who put the present Democratic administration in Washington, D.C. The whites were evenly divided. It was the fact that you threw 80% of your votes behind the Democrats that put the Democrats in the White House. The 
When you see this, you can see that the Negro vote is the key factor. And despite the fact that you are in a position to, de to be the determining factor, what do you get out of it? The Democrats have been in Washington, D.C. only because of the Negro vote. They've been down there four years. And all other legislation they wanted to bring up, they brought it up and gotten it out of the way, and now they bring up you. And now they bring up you. You put them first and they put you last. Because you're a chump. A political chump. In Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives, there are 257 who are Democrats. Only 177 are Republicans. In the Senate, there are 67 uh, Democrats. Only 33 are Republicans. The party that you bass controls two-thirds of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and still they can't keep their promise to you, because you're a chump. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. And what kind of alibi do they come up with? They try and pass the buck to the Dixiecrats. Now back during the days when you were blind, deaf, and dumb, ignorant, politically immature, naturally you went along with that. But today as your eyes come open and you develop political maturity, you're able to see and think for yourself. And you can see that a Dixiecrat is nothing but a Democrat in disguise. You look at the structure of the uh, government that controls this country. It's controlled by 16 senatorial committees and 20 congressional committees. Of the 16 senatorial committees that run the government, 10 of them are in the hands of Southern segregationists. Of the 20 congressional committees that run the government, 12 of them in the, are in the hands of Southern segregationists. And they're going to tell you and me that the South lost the war. Still true to this day, salute to the ancestor Malcolm X. Yes, indeed, El Hajj Malik El Shabazz. So, <laughs> I can't help myself, it's just who I am, so you know what I'm saying. Um, I took a bath, sorry to the YouTube folks, I took a bathroom break while I was taking, <laughs> while I played the, uh, <laughs> while I played the clip, so you saw me leave for a few minutes, but yeah, it was a perfect opportunity, I had to take it, <laughs> so, hey, look, man, it feel like we, it feel like, uh, fucking, um, <laughs> <laughs> it feel like Biden has been president for longer than a year. I mean, I can't be the only one that feels this way. It can't. It I can't be the only person that feel that way. It feel like it's been longer than a year. This feel like the. This just feel like the work. It, it has been longer, right? I I can't be confused, right? Like I can't be confused. 
maybe I am. I mean, I just turned 40, so I don't know. <laughs> but, man, here we go again with the the, the more the, the playing us, the symbolism, the more bullshit with us as the so-called black people of America not getting nothing, man. Not getting nothing. He just recently appointed a new... Um, um, nominee for the uh, Supreme Court, Kentaji Brown Jackson, and you know, you know, it's going to be some talk. You know, it's going to be some backlash and stuff like that. So, let me get into some of that. All right, um, some thing. I'm just going to point out some things that I've seen and read or whatever about her, and. A lot of people have been comparing her to Clarence Thomas, um, saying that they have a common interest. You know, uh, it says uh, both of them played a, a pivotal role in making sure employment discrimination class actions aimed at providing remedies for large groups of black people were never moved forward. Um, Thomas at the EEOC. And Jackson with the Lockheed Martin um, case, and which I'm going to go into a little further. So uh, let me see. Let me talk about that first. All right. Um, all right. Uh, what I said. Let me see. Uh, um. Okay. Uh This this particular article right here I thought was interesting. It says Alabama's first black federal judge asks Biden not to tap Kentaji Brown Jackson for Supreme Court. Okay. It says the first black federal judge in Alabama sent a letter to President Biden asking him to pass over a leading contender for the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, in his letter, Clemen said that there were several exceptionally well-qualified black female aspirants for the Supreme Court but expressed a desire to see Jackson out of contention for the nomination. The retired judge pointed to the case Ross versus Lockheed, a 2016 class action lawsuit brought forward on behalf of 5,500 black Lockheed Martin employees as the basis for his opposition to Jackson, Jackson's potential nomination. Jackson presided over the case. And Clemens said in the letter that the judge failed to greenlight the settlement that that was reached, which was set to disperse twenty two million dollars to the employees. Quote, she refused to approve the settlement because, in her view, there were no common factual questions. End quote. Clemens wrote. He continued. Judge Jackson gave the acts to a settlement designed to benefit Black workers at one of the nation's largest employers denied the injunct injunctive relief agreed to by Lockheed Martin that would have addressed the root cause of systemic racial bias 
that could have been a model for a national hungry, a nation hungry for racial equity solutions. Denied the black workers the right to seek evidence to prove their claim of company-wide racial discrimination and knowingly frustrated the rights of black workers to appeal her decision, end quote. Um, yeah, this, this is something that's been pointed out by a lot of people since I've been uh, paying attention to the nomination of Kentaji uh, Brown-Jackson. They have been pointing to this case a lot, you know what I'm saying, for the fact that, you know, her being a black woman and her going against this um, this case. And what's interesting was that Lockheed Martin and the uh, employee, the black employees of Lockheed Martin actually this was Lockheed Martin's idea. They came up with a uh what was it? 22.8 million settlement uh for the case and Kentaji Brown Jackson rejected it. And just to speak on the other side, I, I don't want to I'm not trying to be biased on this situation. I'm just trying to uh provide the facts. But she had a lot. Of, she had several reasons for why she rejected it. It's a lot to read, so I'm not gonna go into that. But I won't. I'm not gonna sit here and and just say that you know what I'm saying uh, she's a bad person because you know what I'm saying she went against the case and all this other stuff. I haven't fully done you know enough reading on it to actually comment on it fully. But she had her reasons for why she didn't want to give. You know what I'm saying this this settlement to these the black employees of Lockheed Martin but a lot of uh black people are pointing this out that you know what I'm saying she's not a good nominee for the Supreme Court justice another thing that has been pointed out a lot is the fact that she's married to a white man and yeah i mean i guess you can <laughs> you can see why a lot of black people have an issue with that. Let me take a puff. Yeah, so a lot of black people have a have an issue with that, you know, saying that, you know, this is just more symbolism that we've we've gotten more more, you know what I'm saying? Um more BS from the Biden administration uh, with trying to uh, coddle the black base of the Democrats and the people who have put Biden in office and that she isn't really a person for the black people. You know what I'm saying? She has the skin color, but she isn't necessarily for the community, for you know what I'm saying? The culture. But, you know, as as with when Kamala was selected for vice president and, you know what I'm saying, all the people going crazy. You know what I'm saying? People get caught up into the symbolism of things. You know what I'm saying? I talked about it plenty of times before. Had plenty of episodes about it. But this is what's being talked about when it comes to Kentaji Brown-Jackson. 
my initial thoughts and opinions on it is yeah it's more it's more bullshit it's more symbolism it's hard for me to have faith and trust in in her when she is married to a white man and she already has made decisions against black people and stuff like that like it it it, it it's kind of similar to the situation with Kamala kind of similar to the situation with Obama in my eyes this is my opinion I know everybody doesn't agree with it and stuff like that I understand that and I'm not going against anybody else's opinion this is just my opinion but I just look at it as it as it's just more symbolism um and even talking to, just going back to the last episode and stuff like that when I was speaking on how they how the system of white supremacy uses black women to push narratives of the systemic white supremacy you know what I'm saying they uh to go against black men to go against the the black family and stuff like that but i digress <laughs> um another thing that recently came out and you know what i'm saying all this stuff seems to come out when biden's numbers are going down when kamala's numbers aren't looking good when a, when primary elections are starting to come up for for senate and more local stuff and <laughs> like that you know what i'm saying they recently passed the anti-lynching bill the uh quote-unquote emmett till lynching bill they recently passed it and what was interesting about that was before it was passed it it failed to pass 200 times before that let me repeat that this anti-lynching bill failed to pass 200 times <laughs> 200 times before it just recently passed so you got democrats you got republicans it was pretty much a landslide of it passing only three people decided not to vote on it passing. And I forgot exactly, I don't have exactly who it was, but I think they were, all three of them, I think, were Republicans. But here we go again with the games, the political games, the political theater of, of everybody trying to play their part when these upcoming elections are about to happen. You got Republicans trying to show a good, trying to push out their good faith. You got the Democrats doing the same thing. Democrats ain't done, ain't done shit for us since they've been in office, since Biden has been in office. Even before that, when Obama was in office, didn't do shit for black people. You had Trump in office after that, four years. Didn't really do anything for black people. He did more, though. Can I say this? And will people actually believe me or the, you know, does somebody else have to say this? He did a little bit more for the black community than Obama did. But when it comes down to it, none of them did shit. None of them did shit. Because why? Going back to the Malcolm X speech, we are political chumps. 
we'll sit here and give out our votes and all this other stuff to these parties and they're just they just playing the ping pong game man eh? these two parties republicans and democrats are just two different wings two different wings on the same bird i gotta say that i'm a proud independent i used to be a democrat before i woke up before you know what i'm saying before i was able to start seeing a little bit more things and what initially brought me to this point was obama being in office I said to myself, man, this this ain't right. You know what I'm saying? All the stuff that I know, all the stuff that I've read over the years, all the stuff that I looked at, you know what I'm saying? Something ain't right. This, this shit ain't right. It, no, no. It, it, no, it can't be right. You know what I'm saying? So what's another thing that's inter- interesting about Kentaji Brown Jackson is that she's endorsed. She's being endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police and Paul Ryan. And this, the police union that is endorsing her previous, previously, and this is for the people who got so much hate and disdain for uh, Trump. This police union that is endorsing her previously endorsed Trump. So I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? You can put the pieces together the way you want to put them together. And. Some people might be blind to the fact. Dang. <laughs> I was about to start rapping pop because that's something that he said. But, yeah, let me get back <laughs> to the podcast. Um, it says, upon the official nomination of Kentaji Brown Jackson as the newest Supreme Court justice, the Fraternal Order of Police formally endorsed her. In a new statement recounted by President Joe Biden during Friday's nomination address, FOP National President Patrick Yoyce praised Jackson's mediation skills, particularly during her time on the U.S. Sentencing Commission. Take a couple of puffs real quick. And what? And I, when I saw this, this, this headline, this article, this article was in Newsweek. It didn't surprise me because when Kentaji Brown Jackson initially got the nomination and they did the press conference for and she started speaking on her background, her family background. She spoke about how her dad was a police officer. She had uncles that was police officers and stuff like that. So she comes from a police background and if you remember they call Kamala Harris the top cop because of her time as being a prosecutor so this seemed like once once Kentaji Brown starts speaking on her family and stuff I mean that made perfect sense to me why they put her in this and they gave her the nomination. She comes from a police background. She made it a point during her during her speech that she came from a police background. But she also put in in there in her speech talking about I believe it was one of her uncles 
that's in prison for life or something like that for something that he did some some criminal act and she tried to sway it as it being she said that you know she comes from both sides of the law whatever that means <laughs> because you're not experiencing jail time you never did no crime or whatever so i don't understand how you come from both sides of the law but yeah you know what i'm saying i may be wrong in my thinking some might some people may get it some people don't but i i ain't i don't get it and i ain't buying it i came across this uh this post uh a while ago um I think it was like in early January, but I thought it was interesting and I'm going to add it to the context of this conversation. It says Harris County felony pre-child detention report. This is Harris County in Texas. It says uh, brought to you by the Texas Center for Justice and Equity and the Texas Organizing Project on an average night last week, 6,000. And 43 people were locked in a cage at the Harris County Jail because they couldn't afford money bail. Even though it is illegal to jail people solely because they are poor, this report uses jail population data provided by Harris County to compare the pre-child detention numbers of Harris County's felony judges. District, district courts by highest pre-child detention population from January 2nd, 2022 to January 8th, 2022. The number one judge, Judge Ramona Franklin, had 500 people detained per night based on inability to pay. This is a black woman. She is the judge of the 338th District Court. Number two judge, Judge Hazel B. Jones, 377 people detained per night based on inability to pay, 174th District Court. Judge number three, Judge Nikita Harmon, 349 people detained per night based on inability to pay, 176th District Court. Harris County taxpayers spent over $3.1 million on illegal pre-child detention this week. That's over twice the amount Harris County taxpayers spend every week on public health services, the public library, and population control combined. The whole point of me bringing this up is, like I was saying, they use black women to push their narrative, to push the system against black people, particularly black men. They used the, this is a tweet that I came upon that I thought totally spoke to this. They use the Negro woman as a weapon and we allow it. She is uncovered. And you know what I'm saying? I talked about plenty of times on this podcast before about feminism and black feminism and how the feminism movement uses black women for their gain to push the narratives that I've already been speaking about, as well as to give them extra support for their movement. And I came across another tweet. 
that speaks to this. It says to say black women are not protected and tailor your movement around them, separating from the men who are supposed to be protecting them is extremely contradictory and dangerous. Why do you want us alone and vulnerable when you already believe we lack protection? Of course, that que- that last part of the post, that question is speaking to black women. Like, why you keep sp- why you keep pointing out how alone and vulnerable you are, but then you keep pushing the actual protection that you have, which is the black man, away from you. And this is how they got us caught up into their system, caught up into their narrative and stuff like that. And we can't see it. All we can think about is the disdain, the resentment, the hatred, the dislike, and all that other stuff that we have towards each other. And we keep doing all this infighting. And like I would say over and over again, all this shit comes back to slavery times, back to when Willie Lynch wrote that letter to the American slaveholders. And like I will always keep pushing, that is one of the most important books to read for black people, black Americans, the Willie Lynch letter. Point blank and period. We are still living under the Willie Lynch syndrome. There's no denying it. No denying it. Shoot. Even Frederick Douglass talked about in his in his uh book, An American Slave, about you know how um the slaves used to fight amongst each other, getting into fist fights and stuff like that, defending their masters. And what's so different today? Nothing. You got what they call on Twitter the the Biden sexuals. You have all these black people defending Biden and he ain't doing shit for us. He ain't done shit for us from the start even when he was a senator. We can go all the way back to the crime bill. Shit. (laughs) Take a puff. Whew, getting riled up, getting riled up. Why so serious? Why so serious? <laughs> oh, man. Um, where I'm at. But like I said, man, they're going to keep playing on this. You know what I'm saying? When it comes down to it, feelings are more easier to control than facts. And that's what, when it comes to our community, the black community and stuff like that, we are more caught up into our feelings than we are into facts. We don't care about facts. We care about the feelings more. Let me uh let me bring up another point. If anybody don't know about the uh racial discrimination suit that's going on right now in the NFL, um what was the name of the uh coach? I done forgot the damn name. Um uh, let me see if I can find uh, Brian Flores, who was the former coach of the Miami Dolphins. He is he isn't of black American descent, but he is a black man. And he filed a racial discrimination suit against the NFL. And who does the NFL hire to be their counsel on this suit? A black woman. Not just any black woman, the former 
AG of the Obama administration, Loretta Lynch. This is what I'm saying. See, like, this ain't no coincidence. This ain't no conspiracy. This ain't me shooting no shit out my mouth. This is exactly what's going on. But people don't want to pay attention. People rather pay attention to celebrities and what's going on with Kim and Kanye and Rihanna and all. (laughs) I ain't trying to, I ain't, I'm not trying to talk down to nobody and nothing like that because when I reference stuff, I always say we because I get caught up into shit too. But let's just be real. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. These are the facts. These are the facts. Get out your feelings and focus on the facts. Think about, you know what I'm saying, all the stuff that's been going on uh, recently uh, with uh, race and when it comes to like uh, Joe Rogan, one of the top podcasters out here. And how, you know what I'm saying, he was getting all caught up into a lot of the stuff that was going on with the uh, the juice or that that disease that was going on out here for a few years or whatever. Um, I don't want to say the actual words of it because I don't want to get uh, shadow banned and flagged and all that other stuff because I'm already <laughs> shadow banned and stuff on Instagram. Make sure you follow me at Taste to Consider Podcast on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Share my podcast, my likes and all. You know, give me all that so I can get out of shadow ban lane. <laughs> but yeah, but you see Joe Rogan, they... uh. He was saying what he was saying about all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying, video, old past videos coming out about him saying the, the nigga, 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 and all this other stuff like that. And all you see, all the people that was like rushing to defend this man was who? Black people, black celebrities and stuff like that. And that's why I say like popularity rules. As long as you can you can align yourself with somebody who's popular or get something from somebody who's popular, you're going to do it no matter what. You know what I'm saying? And you got all these people coming out here and, and rushing to Joe Rogan's defense. I mean, I honestly, I can care less about, you know what I'm saying, you using the word. I've, I've matured enough to the point where that, the word doesn't bother me or whatever. You know what I'm saying? If you catch me on the right day and you say say the word to me in public or whatever I, I might knock your ass out but you know what i'm saying i i feel that i've matured enough that it, that word doesn't really bother me that much but yeah you know what i'm saying we got multiple levels of fish to fry when it comes to to the black community and and racism in america and shit even in the world you know what i'm saying just segueing into the next topic of ukraine you know what i'm saying we i'm not gonna get too much into this to this to the to the war with ukraine and russia and all that other stuff because a lot of people just looking at it from a black and white perspective when there's so much of a gray area going on that we don't know and don't understand but we just get getting caught up into what the media is telling us as usual just like with the two years that we've just gone through of the juice and the disease and all that other stuff but yeah (laughs) we've seen the videos and stuff like that on social media how black people quote-unquote black people are treated all over the world and it was was interesting just going back to the Moynihan report is one thing that they they pointed out in that in that um in that report was talking about how you know um 
American slavery was totally different than the slavery that went on in the Caribbeans and stuff like that. American slavery was so much worse than the slavery that went on in period in throughout history, just taking out of it being slavery of just of quote unquote black people, but just slavery period across the world over the the years and the centuries and stuff like that. But particularly what was focused on in that report was American slavery uh, versus Caribbean slavery and stuff like that. And what they the the country that they focused on was Brazil, because Brazil is like the second largest uh, country in the world um, other than Africa being number one that has the most um, quote unquote black people in it. And we know a lot of uh, slavery was went on in the Caribbean. You got in Haiti, um, Brazil, and, you know, a lot of the other Caribbean countries. But one of the things that was talked about in that report was how different American slavery was than it was in Brazil and how American slavery was worse than any other slavery based on the fact that the um Black people in America was conditioned to having their families broken up, um, the torture that we went through, the, you know, what I'm saying the rape sodomies and all that other stuff, how we didn't have no rights to anything. We was we didn't we weren't even looked at as human beings. But over in Brazil, um, it was totally different because they they actually looked at them as humans. But they looked at them as the lowest at as the lowest, the bottom of that totem pole of humanity in Brazil. But they were allowed to legally get married. They were allowed to, you know, what I'm saying get baptized and stuff like that. So, you know, what I'm saying just just look up the, the Moynihan report port It's spelled M.O.Y.N.I.H.A.N. report. Just look it up and, you know, what I'm saying and, and, and read some of the stuff. But I got uh, a clip that I'm going to uh, play that has to do with this Ukraine stuff. Some of the media coverage of the conflict in Ukraine has been kind of off. <laughs> we have reporters and pundits making some rather awful remarks about the nature of this conflict and these refugees versus, say, conflicts and refugees in the Middle East. Have a listen. You know, this is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European. I have to choose those words carefully, too. Because I see European people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed, children being killed every day with Putin's missiles. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. I mean, first off, Europe has been home to some of the worst wars and worst war crimes in human history. I mean, the Holocaust. So why this surprise that bad things are happening in Europe? And second, when they say, oh, civilized cities and in another clip, well-dressed people and this is not the third world, they really mean white people, don't they? The reason they seem to want us to care more about Ukraine, and we should care about Ukraine, but not because they're white Europeans. That shouldn't be the reason we care about Ukraine. Yeah, no, that's that's what's so disturbing in all of this. And in fact, not only that, it's trying to make an excuse why the West should get involved and embrace these refugees and help them. Listen, let's be clear. You should encourage and actually help refugees. And this is what I'm talking about right here. You have you have all these situations where. They making it known. They actually telling you these are the facts. They're actually factually telling you how they 
feel about you, how they see uncivilized and civilized based on skin color, eye color, and et cetera, et cetera. And that's just part of the gray area. That's not the black and white. The black and white is, oh, well, Russia is invading Ukraine. We should, the media is telling us we should be mad. Biden is telling us we should be mad. Um, so we should support this. We should just straight report, support this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it goes down to, to another tweet that, that I came across. It says, black people are always asked to consider the humanity of others while having our humanity erased by those very same people. And like, like you already know, if you're on social media, and I'm sure most people on social media, you've seen how they've treated those those African immigrants over in Ukraine how you already know how we're treated over here I hope you know you know what I'm saying some people like to be blind to the fact because they got money in their pockets that they got degrees and stuff like that but they still look at you the same way ain't no difference but let me play another clip for you Should we be seeing more out of black leadership when it comes to speaking out on behalf of the people of Ukraine? Well, but first of all, as a veteran, uh, I do believe uh, that we have responsibility to be humanitarian. At the same time, the nerve of anybody to think that black people have not done enough. We have done everything to fight for everybody but yet we don't fight for ourselves. How much energy do we want someone to have in one day, Dale, I ask you. If I have eight to 10 hours a day, we're fighting in the war right here, the battleground right here, and our government's not listening. So how is anybody supposed to be motivated to say, hey, yeah, just go protest when they're protesting here and still nothing happens as far as policy. So I'm supposed to protest here, not get anything done, protest on what's going on 6,000 miles away, knowing nothing's not gonna get done and still deal with the fact that I can't afford to feed my family. It makes no sense. It is disrespectful to, to say that, well, black people should be doing more. We have done enough. When is this country going to issue the same amount of money, the same amount of investment without a study? When is this country gonna do the same amount of urgency without saying, well, we gotta wait to get everybody on the same page and we don't want executive orders. The nerve of anybody to put that on the backs of black people who have not only fought for our own people, but have, have fought for everybody else all over this country uh, for the last 400 years and built this country. So right now people are depressed, Dale, and they're not interested in doing yet another thing to add to their day. And it's not because we don't care. It is because people are worn out. The same thing that uh, Martin Luther King talked about in the 60s, we're still talking about it today. So if maybe if this government will give somebody uh, the same boots and straps that they send into another country, maybe then they'll have the energy to fight for someone else. But we cannot put it on us and we will not victim, blame or shame uh, black people. for. Yes, indeed. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. Here we go. Always over and over again. We try to be shamed into not supporting something, but we always quick to support somebody other than ourselves. And back to that tweet I read. You know what I'm saying? Feelings are more easy to control than facts. They tug at those strings. And black people are one of the most 
carrying people out here, <laughs> as we know. I mean, for one, it's in our nature. But two, we we lost mentally that we easily get caught up into this because we already have this this feeling inside of us to to want support and all that other stuff. So when these situations comes up, you know what I'm saying? It's just so natural for us to just jump and give support to somebody else because we want the same port support as well. You know what I'm saying? Mentally, we want the same support as well. So when situations come up like this, it's easy for us to jump. But we aren't focusing on the facts. The facts are that this country has not give a F about us. Point blank and period. Like she said in that clip, we still waiting for a study for reparations. What the hell do you need to study? You know, y'all know what y'all did. You know what the government did. You know what the government did. You know that this country was built on the backs of American Indians, American black people, indigenous black people. You know that. <laughs> oh, man. Like I said, you know what I'm saying? It, psychologically, we so used to, you know what I'm saying, looking for somebody to help us, to to get us out of something or whatever. So when these situations happen and we getting pushed that narrative from the from the media and stuff that, you know what I'm saying, Ukraine this, Ukraine that, Ukraine this, you know what I'm saying? So we initially jump on it, you know what I'm saying? We getting exactly what we asked for, you know what I'm saying? Fight for Ukraine, fight for Ukraine, help them, help them, help them, you know what I'm saying? We can only be mad at ourselves for not getting the things that we deserve because we aren't fighting for ourselves. We aren't fighting for ourselves, man. Say, 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 say. I'll read that tweet again. Black people are always asked to consider the humanity of others while having our humanity erased by those very same people. We so caught up into symbolism or we got a first the first black Supreme Court justice. Oh, we got black Ma black lives matter painted on the street. Um we got uh Harriet Tubman. We gonna get Harriet Tubman on the twenty dollar bill or Maya Angelou on the quarter or we got the anti lynching bill. Just bullshit symbolism. Bullshit symbolism. While the the <laughs> the government, the U.S. government is going to give six point four billion of aid to Ukraine. It's just money. It's money has been flying everywhere in the past two years and beyond. Shit. New York, they about to give ten million dollars to the Asian American communities hit by the pandemic. Quote, the Asian American community was especially hard hit, not only by the virus, but by an increase in hate and violent crimes. Oh, shit. Well, we ain't been getting hit by no fucking hate for how many centuries? I mean, come on now. I mean, like, these are the facts. But we so caught up into feelings. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No. That's y'all girl. That's y'all girl. Let me play that again. Sorry for the the catch you off guard like that. But hey, let me play it again. So I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm gonna do something that's only gonna benefit black people. No. Just a reminder. Let me play it one more time. So I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm gonna do something that's only gonna benefit black people. 
No. <laughs> oh man. You had you had uh I was about to say Obama. You had Biden doing his State of the Union address and what he say? He said they was going to uh extend more funding to the police. More funding to the police. Despite the fact that the FBI came out a couple of months ago and said that the police organizations are infiltrated by white supremacists. So if Biden's own FBI agency is saying that. But he still feels feels the need to to give extra funding to these police departments. Come on, man. Come on, man. Extremists, the FBI agency said that it was white supremacist groups within police departments, extremist groups infiltrated by white extremist groups. And we've known this. The whole origin of police departments came from slave catchers. Every... Even when Biden said this in his State of the Union address, if you watch plenty of State of the Union address, whether it's Republican or Democrat is the president, most Republicans or Democrats versus who the president is don't always stand up and clap for what that president is saying. Once Biden said what he said about funding the police departments, what what happened? Republicans and Democrats both stood up, gave him a standing ovation. Come on, man. <laughs> These are the facts. Facts. These are the facts. Come on, Biden. Sexuals, take your feelings out of it. These are the facts. Damn. <laughs> oh, man. Where am I at? <sighs> I mean, like shit we keep we keep talking this you know what i'm saying as as black people we keep sitting here saying you know what i'm saying um we gotta play the game you know what i'm saying we 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 gotta play the game we gotta play the game or whatever no we don't have to play the game we don't have to play this game where we sitting here voting for the lesser of two evils and all this other bullshit no stop playing the game even with outside of politics, we sit here and talk about some, I got to play the game. I got to get my money and all this other stuff. So you have continuous black people competing against each other, trying to get more money. Who got more money being gatekeepers and holding glass ceilings over people's head and stuff like that. We're trying to play their game. We so caught up into playing their game in their system that they created. It doesn't make sense. I know, I know. But like I said, it's a taste to consider podcast, the podcast of many tastes. I talk about everything, everything. (laughs) So let me get off of that, you know what I'm saying? And we're going to jump into something more lighter. Um, Let me take a puff of my cigar. So 
So I had the opportunity to go to an early screening of uh, the new Batman movie. This is the movie and TV review segment. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the new Batman movie. It was long. It was three hours long, but I I enjoyed it. It was a very good movie. Um, I, Batman, he's just one of the, like, I, I feel like, you know what I'm saying, from what I know and from the things I've read and stuff like that, Batman is the most popular superhero character out here. And, I mean, um, I, I kind of get why because, you know what I'm saying, he don't have superpowers. He was an ordinary man, but he wasn't technically an ordinary man. He was a damn billionaire. So, but, you know what I'm saying, I get it. But the movie was real good. No spoilers, you know what I'm saying, for my review. It was a real good movie. It was it was three hours long, but it was definitely worth it. It was a good movie. Um, I enjoy it for the simple fact that it challenged my mind. It was a very, uh, it was a detective-style movie. Um, it was a mystery. It was a suspense. It had some drama to it. It had, the action that was in the movie was excellent. So it, it basically had everything in that movie. In those three hours, it had everything in it. If you're a Batman fan, you will definitely enjoy it. If you're a person who enjoys mystery, suspense, and stuff like that, you will enjoy it. It was a very good movie. Um, and one thing that 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 I thought about in just the whole Batman movie and stuff like that was the fact that we've had we've seen so many different Batmans, different actors play Batman. And it brought me back to how, you know what I'm saying, Chadwick Boseman, you know, he passed and he was he played the character of T'Challa, which was Black Panther, and how Marvel Studios is basically just being just going away, period, from the character T'Challa. And if you followed the comic books and stuff like that, you know there have been plenty of peop different people who were done the the name of Black Panther in the comics. It just wasn't T'Challa. You know, his father was before that and it was T'Challa. Even his sister was at some point was the Black Panther and all that other stuff. But the fact that Marvel Studios is just trying to go totally away from the character of T'Challa. They're basically trying to kill the character off is 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 pissing me off it's pissing a lot of people off that it's to the point that it's pissing so many people off that on twitter there's a hashtag for for it it's hashtag recast t'challa and i'm just like you know what i'm saying you have you have superheroes throughout history where they've put different actors in these places superman batman you know, et cetera, et cetera, or whatever so and they're going to continue to do it so why now are you trying to to basically kill off a black character, a prominent black character that, you know what I'm saying, a lot of kids and stuff looked up to and you just basically trying to kill this character off. So, you know what I'm saying, if you on Twitter, check out that hashtag recast T'Challa and, you know what I'm saying, yeah, we'll see what happens. The the new Black Panther is supposed to come out this November, so we'll see what happens. But I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to support it in that because I just think that is is foul that they doing it like that. But yeah, um, what else? Over the time that I wasn't recording, 
some movies did come out that I was able to see that new Matrix movie. Um, and I, I thought the new Matrix movie was good. Um, I watched it on HBO Max when it came out, but a lot of people was like they didn't like it. But I kind of, <laughs> in my mind, I looked at it like they didn't like it because they still caught up into the damn Matrix. Like because basically what what it did was it reiterate how you can you can leave the Matrix but then get get uh, caught back up into you know what I'm saying the Matrix the the society of lies and had the control that the media has and stuff like that. But I thought it was a good movie. I felt like, you know what I'm saying, it had some good callbacks, but at, at the same time, it basically was a reiteration of how you can get caught up into the matrix, the the society that lies to us, that the society that keep try to keeps us in control, the society that try to keeps us um, from being authentic and being an individual. <laughs> but... um. What else? Oh yeah, I was I happened to see the new Spider-Man movie and I thought it was pretty good. I mean, a lot of people was just going crazy over it, but I just felt like, you know what I'm saying, they was just romanticized with the moment. And I thought it was a pretty good movie, but I didn't think it was that good as a lot of people was trying to say it was. I think a lot of people was just saying it was so good because of, you know, the the nostalgia of them bringing back multiple characters or actors that play superman in the past hence back to why i don't understand why marvel studios is trying to just basically kill off the character of t'challa just put another black actor in place and just keep it moving i mean even chadwick said that you know the character is bigger than him even his family has came out and said that, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like, you know what I'm saying, they will be disrespecting Chadwick Boseman by putting another actor in place. But I digress. <sighs> but the Spider-Man movie was cool. It was cool for nostalgia purposes, but I didn't think it was all that like everybody was making the scene. But like I will always say, a lot of people get so romanticized with moments and you know what I'm saying? They can't get out of that. But it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? You like what you like. I'm not judging you for that. Um, A couple of shows that I was able to come across that were very good. Um, Grand Crew. Grand Crew is a TV show that is on the Peacock Network. It's a black show. And I ain't going to lie. I fuck with that show. It's very funny. It's very funny. When I first started watching it, I was kind of looking at it like, you know what I'm saying? These black people ain't acting like black people. But, like, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? So I had to check myself. <laughs> but it's a lot of witty banter with that uh, with that show. And I've, I enjoy it. Like, it's a crew of black people that basically do everything. Everything that they do is centered around drinking wine. <laughs> But the show is called Grand Crew, and it is a, it's, a, it's an enjoyable show. Um, another black show that was created by a black woman is Abbott Elementary, and it comes on ABC. I forgot uh, her name, but she she came up. You know what I'm saying? I remember her doing skits on on social media and stuff like that. And now she has her own show on ABC. It's called Abbott Elementary elementary i see a lot of people you know what i'm saying comparing it to the office and stuff like that 
the show is good. I'll give it that. The show is good, but it's not The Office. The Office is is just like another animal. It's similar to The Office where it kind of portrays itself like it's a reality TV show. But it's, um, you know what I'm saying, it's a sitcom. It's not as good as The Office, but it's good. I'll say that, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to say that it's not good. Like, it's supposed to be a comedy, but I didn't find too many comedic moments in it to my taste but it's still a good show to watch you know what i'm saying i still enjoyed watching it despite the fact that it didn't make me laugh as much as the office does or parks and recreation and stuff like that so both of those shows um were in their first season and they're very 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 good shows uh, what else? I just watched this uh docu series on Netflix, man. This series was wild, man. This shit. <laughs> this uh, this series was called uh, this docu series was called the worst roommate ever, and it's on Netflix, man. <laughs> this damn show, man. This docu series, man, is wild. And I heard about the series before uh it came out, um. And I thought it was just going to be like some bubbly type of show that was talking, you know, it had people on there talking about their worst roommates. You know what I'm saying? Some some fun loving bubbly type shit. But this shit is on some murder type criminal type. I don't give a fuck type roommate type shit like had people on here that was killing people that was swindling people that, you know, what I'm saying was. Was you had some squatters on here that was some some serial squatters. It was like I don't want to give no spoilers away, but like this docu series was like on some other shit. <laughs> it was like, damn, you know what I'm saying? You really have to watch out for people. But and it was just crazy. Like some of these people was finding these roommates off of Craig Craigslist, and I'm just like, people ain't learned by now to not fuck with Craigslist shit. <laughs> like Craigslist is the last place you want to go find something, <laughs> whether it's an item or a damn person at that. And these people was finding people off of Craigslist and stuff, man. That shit was crazy, man. Check that joint out. That shit was wild. I also had a chance to see the new Scream movie. That joint was pretty good. I saw that in the movie theaters. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It had some callbacks from the previous screens and stuff like that. But it had a good story to it. Had some good suspense. I don't necessarily consider it a scary movie because I ain't been scared of a movie since shit, Freddy Krueger or something. <laughs> but yeah, that joint was good. Also, uh the second season of Raising Dion. Um, check that joint out. It's on Netflix. Uh the second season. Um was just as good, if not better, than the first season. It's a, it's a, a, a young black boy who has superpowers. Uh, Michael B. Jordan produced the movie. He was in the first season. Very good show. Check it out. For some reason, Netflix Netflix won't promote it the same way that they do um, all their other shows, Ozark and um, the other show with all the the white kids and the, the the scary I forgot the name of it and shit, but yeah. <laughs> Raising Dion, very good show. Check that joint out. Uh what else? 
I also checked out Jack Reacher. I think I talked about this before. I'm not sure, but Jack Reacher on Prime, on Amazon Prime Videos, a very good, very good show. Um, uh, Tom Cruise did Jack Reacher. He was Jack Reacher in both of the the movies, the first one and the sequel that came out a few years ago. But the TV show pretty good though, you know what I'm saying? So check that joint out. That was a pretty good joint. I'm just trying to run through all the shows that I've watched since. You know what I'm saying? I had the my break of recording. Um but yeah, let me move on. Uh unfortunately I gotta take another bathroom break, so I will <laughs> nah, nah, I ain't gonna take no bathroom break. I'm gonna I'm get through this. I'm gonna get through it. I'm gonna get through it. <laughs> uh let me see. Something that a friend of the show sent me that um, I wanted to touch on, you know what I'm saying? I don't consider this a mental health podcast, but I do touch on a lot of mental health topics and issues and stuff like that. So with it being Women's History Month, this is something that I thought would be uh, good to touch on. Um, I, I was sent sent it, like I said, by a friend of the show. Shout out to them. So let me pull this up. It says... Trigger warning, mention of suicide. Women on Twitter are sharing their experience with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD. And I've heard of this before, but I never really paid attention to it because I thought it was just. I honestly thought it was just um, something similar to PMS, but. From reading this thread, it is beyond that, you know what I'm saying? And is 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 real serious. So let me start by reading from the beginning again. This is a post. It says trigger warning, mention of suicide. Women on Twitter are sharing their experience with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD. I wonder how many people have killed themselves during PMS, not realizing the extreme emotions was coming from their period. And I'm just reading uh, the thread from the post. I didn't really get to go into doing much research, but I'm just wanting to, you know, uh, point it out and, you know, bring awareness to it. So another portion of the the thread says girl i quit my job one time and started my period the very next day another time i shaved my head bald and started my period four hours later pms is a bitch another one i know i'm about to get my period when i have suicidal ideations lol i mean i'm kind of cringing with the fact that they put the lol but i mean yeah people cope differently uh next next post off the thread i was almost one of them pmdd needs to be talked about another post off the thread girl i get stronger i get a stronger urge to kill myself before and after my period but to be honest i feel like doing it all the time sigh that's unfortunate um another post off the thread Wanted wanted to bash my head against a wall yesterday. Looked at my app this morning. Ah, uh, PMS is no joke. And you see, they keep uh, you see uh, during a couple of these posts, they they referencing PMS, but you know they putting it under the thread 
the initial post of the PMDD. And I know as a man, you know what I'm saying, I've I've heard plenty of times where, you know, dating a woman, you know, she talked about PMS and stuff, and she talked about, you know, how her emotions and stuff like that and stuff. But, you know what I'm saying, you just look at it like it's PMS, you know. And I never knew about PMDD, you know, PMDD. Um, Another post in the thread. See? This is why menstruation should be taken more seriously in healthcare and in sexual education. Another post. PMDD is so real and 30% of women who have it attempted slash do in their lives. It is heartbreaking. Okay, here's, an, here's uh, more context to PMDD. It says, what causes PMDD? Researchers do not know for sure what causes PMDD or PMS. Hormonal changes throughout the menstrual cycle play a role. A brain chemical called serotonin, which I'm sure most of us have heard of, may also play a role in PMDD. Serotonin levels change throughout the menstrual cycle. Some women may be more sensitive to these changes. And anybody who, um, it's a lot of people out here that dealt with mental illness and have struggles with their mental health. And a lot of people out here who haven't been haven't been diagnosed with a mental illness but still go through things serotonin is one of the most important things when it comes to our brain chemicals serotonin as well as melatonin but it says symptoms of pmdd include lasting irritability or anger that may affect other people feelings of sadness or despair or even thoughts of suicide Feelings of tension or anxiety, panic attacks, mood swings or crying often, lack of interest in daily activities and relationships, trouble thinking or focusing, tiredness or low energy, food cravings or binge eating, trouble sleeping, feeling out of control, physical symptoms such as cramps, bloating, breast tenderness, headaches, and joint or muscle pain. And I'm sure plenty of guys out here who have dated women or had any type of relationship with women, you've heard those symptoms before. So this is something that's real. And is is bring is brought a, you know what I'm saying, it's opened my eyes a lot to, you know, going back to, you know, hearing certain things that women have said to me during their time about to come on their period and stuff like that. And, and you just thinking that, you know what I'm saying, it's just random PMS. You know, PMS is sort of used like a joke, you know, a lot of times, like a lot of stuff that has to do with mental and emotional stuff. But throwing in this card of PMDD now makes me look at it things a little differently. It makes me feel a you know, not that I didn't have compassion before, but it makes me want to have even more compassion to, you know, what I'm saying what women go through when they're going through their premenstrual type issues and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So just to, you know, point that out, you know, bring awareness to it and stuff like that. If you feel the need or want to look it up even more, do that. You know, what I'm saying the information is out here. I'll do that as well. So. Uh, where am I at right now in the podcast? 
let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, okay. I'm going to finish off with this topic. And, yeah. I got this clip. Two clips, actually. This first clip is the foundation of the topic. The next clip ties into it. And we'll go from there. Okay, let's go. Let me cue it up. Hold on. First burp of the show. Can you believe that? An hour and 35 minutes into the show and my first burp. Okay, let's get into the uh, clip. Yo, so my daughter, we're getting ready for her nap. And she's like, oh, my God, Dad, I'm so excited about my future husband. I can't wait. And I was like, uh, first off, what I'm supposed to say to that. But on the other hand, I was like, bro, shout out the fact that you making this marriage thing desirable. So many people didn't even have that representation in front of them. And if they did, chaotic, do I even want that? But shout out my five-year-old daughter watching her dad treat her mom in such a way that she like, I can't wait to have one of you. Because I asked her, I said, what do you think a husband is? Uh, I don't know. What does the husband do? What makes? What is it about a husband that makes you desire it? She's just like, I just like what you do. <sighs> Damn. I'm running up the Christmas budget. <laughs> This is a clip that I found on social media. I forgot which platform, but I got a, I got a couple of thoughts on this. All right, so bear with me. <laughs> so first thought was cool. You know what I'm saying? That's that's cool and everything. You know what I'm saying? Bring it in. Bring it back to the uh, earlier topics of you know black family and things that I've discussed before. How you know what I'm saying? It's important for the black family. To, to have a healthy black family, how important the black family is to the black community. That's where a lot of things start. That's where the foundation is and stuff like that. And we know um, how it affects uh, us, whether healthy versus unhealthy and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Cool. So, you know what I'm saying? I understand all that. Point that out. Good. Good thing for the video and everything. But over the course of putting the outline together and going through the topics and stuff like that and watching this clip, I'm just sitting here like the more and more that I watch the clip, I'm like, man, this nigga lying like shit. <laughs> this nigga lying like shit. Because it's just a lot of, you know, a lot of people just do shit for social media and stuff. You know what I'm saying? People just lie. Like, I'm not like... <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> All right. Let me calm myself down. All right. Like I said my initial point and everything, you know what I'm saying? Cool, you know what I'm saying? That's good, you know. The children to see healthy black marriage, healthy black relationships, stuff like that and all that. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's what I want. That's what we that's what we want. That's what we should want. But then just going off of, you know what I'm saying, looking at it over and over again, saying like this nigga lying like shit. If this was the case, why you ain't record your daughter saying all this shit? <laughs> but um uh, 
nah, seriously. I don't have no kids, right? So I don't have any kids yet. If I was to have a daughter, I would not be asking her no questions about marriage. She's five years old. You know what I'm saying? I know everybody's not going to agree with me. This is my opinion or whatever. But this is what it is. This is this is a I I'm giving you multiple tastes. You know what I'm saying? I gave you the first taste, this the second taste. I gave you the second taste. Here's the third taste. <laughs> if I had a daughter, I would not be having no conversation with her about marriage. Granted, you want to do everything possible in order to show a healthy relationship to your kids. You know what I'm saying? But one of the things, and this is not, this is not, I'm not trying to find something wrong with, you know what I'm saying, his video and stuff like that. That's not what I'm trying to do. That's not the focus of it. You know what I'm saying? That's not my primary goal in life to find something wrong with everything. But if you're going to have opinion opinions on things and i can have opinions on things so this i'm giving you multiple tastes this is what the podcast is for i've given you multiple tastes so like i said this is facts over feelings facts over feelings you know what i'm saying so i'm just giving you everything (laughs) if i had a daughter i'm not having this conversation with her about husbands and all this other stuff at five years old I talked about plenty of times before how, you know what I'm saying, we are programmed from an early age to to look at things. From a man's perspective, we are programmed to look at it like we're supposed to be the breadwinner. We're supposed to be making a certain amount of money. We're supposed to be taking care of the family. We're supposed to be have this amount of strength. We're supposed to suppress our feelings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I talked about plenty of times before how the programming for women is to focus on getting married, having kids, being a a homemaker. You know what I'm saying? So, thinking about this video, I had a if I had a daughter, and to for her to be five years old and to be caught caught up into that, of course, kids are gonna gonna be kids. You know what I'm saying? So it's fine for her to, if this is actually true, to you know what I'm saying, look at things like that. That's fine. But I'm not gonna have a a conversation with her about marriage at five years old and 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 push this push this program or this narrative or this perspective on her to to only be looking at her goal in life of being a wife or, you know what I'm saying, having kids and being a homemaker. And this next clip is the reason why. One second, let me cue it up. And for the last year, we dated for three years. And for the last year, I wanted to get engaged so badly. 
<laughs> yeah, it's true. it's true. Like I can't stress enough. <laughs> I don't know if this is exactly to your question, but I did a lot of work, trust work, to be like, look, if this is a man you actually want to marry, this should be a man that you actually trust, right? So you should trust that when he asks you, it's in the right time, when he's ready. You shouldn't doubt or pressure or push. And everything in me was like, doubt, pressure, push. <laughs> and so whether or not you know it, I really, really, for the sake of you and me and us, was like, stop. And that's one of the reasons why. We get caught up into these programs, and I talked about it on the past two episodes. For men and women, this is just not a thing of me beating down on women, because I understand the programs that both of us have been placed on us. You have a five-year-old child, whether it's a male or female, and you already have this this society in place, this world in place where these programs are already laid out. These narratives are already laid out for them. And a lot of times you see children being raised by society in the world as opposed to their actual actual family and getting even more general or well not general, more specific to the black community of these programs and stuff like that then it's always you see more of this 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 uh dysfunction in romantic relationships when it comes to the black family going back to the Moynihan report and stuff like that where it talked about you know uh double the household of black families are the head of the household is a woman there are more illegitimate children in these black households as opposed to white households and stuff like that and there's always this pressure this push in the general state of men and women but when you get down to the specifics of black families and this is just speaking on my experience period and the things that i've seen and stuff like that and, and stuff that i've read you know what i'm saying this is statistics out here for it that there's it there is a rush for these programs you know to get caught up into these programs and these this rush and this program this narrative this perspective has crippled the black family i came across a tweet of course i came across a tweet right <laughs> everyone you date won't be the one you can you can't treat every man that you date as if he is your last chance to get the love and relationship you want if you're unable to take your time in the beginning it could be because you aren't fulfilled in your personal life and or have voids so if you have these five-year-old male and female kids and you're pushing this narrative on them as well as the program that society in the world is pushing on them they're in a rush. They're looking as though everybody has to be the one. And sad to say, but the facts are 
most women fall into those traps. Fall into those traps of thinking that every man is the one or he has to be the one. Social media has exasperated that, has put it on steroids for these things to be in place. You know what I'm saying? I got to show that I got a healthy, I got to have, I got to show everybody I got a good relationship. I got to show that my man is buying me gifts. I got to show that we going on vacations. I got to show that we doing this, we doing that. It's all this stuff is for show. But what is real? What is authentic? What is naturally occurring? Are you going against your not if you believe in fate, if you believe in destiny? What is going against that? Are you really doing what you're supposed to be doing? You know what I'm saying? And this this isn't just solely focus on romantic relationship. This is just period, just throughout life period. We we all caught up into this this race. You know what I'm saying? This 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 rat race and we aren't making conscious decisions because we're trying to make a decision based off of what everybody else is doing around us. So another tweet I come across <laughs> relationships are meant to be intentional, even though labels might change, i.e. dating to engaged to married. There needs to be a conscious choice to keep pursuing each other. Courtship should be a lifelong thing. And I thought this tweet was very important because even once you get to that point where you get what you want, you know what I'm saying? You got these labels, these labels attached to you. And I'm going to focus particularly just on the romantic side of things, romantic relationships, not nothing else, not degrees, money and all that other stuff. It seems as though once people get to this, these, these stages of the romantic relationship, they stop doing the work. They stop being intentional about what actually these relationships or these partnerships, as I like to focus more on, that's the word I like to focus more on, should be important. Like people get get what they want in these romantic relationships, but for, but forget or never had in their mind or don't focus on the partnership aspect of these relationships. So what are you working towards? Are you building your significant other up? Are you still courting them? Are you still loving them? Are you still learning them? Because people change over time. You know what I'm saying? Just because you were this person when you start trying to holler at this girl don't mean that the the woman, you know what I'm saying? The girl done grown into a woman. So are you still trying to learn her? Are you still trying to learn this boy as he's grown into a man? You know what I'm saying? Is is Are you still being intentional about the relationship? Or are you just to the point now where you're content and you're comfortable? So now you start holding, you know what I'm saying, when things aren't going your way or things aren't uh, panning out the way that uh, society said they should or you ain't doing the things that you see other people doing in their relationships now you start building resentment and stuff like that. Things start going bad. Like, what are you going to do? Are you just going to blame? Or are you going to be aware, acknowledge, accept, and then do the work? What's going to happen? So, 
I thought that was important. I mean, like, yeah, I think it's beautiful that, you know what I'm saying, you show um, your kids healthy relationships. That's most important. That's how we start to break these cycles that um, we've come to know. We've come to seeing and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? You have to break the cycles. And that starts with the home. That starts with the healthy family, the healthy foundation. You know what I'm saying? Because all the things, and things not even going to be perfect. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to do everything right in, in the eyes of a child or any human being. You know what I'm saying? But to have to have a a healthy foundation in place where a child can learn how to be competent as opposed to falling into um what's trending or what's popular and stuff like that they're able to use critical thinking skills and stuff like that forget the common sense common sense is is I used to say common sense is not common, but common sense is common. That's the control aspect of what society has programmed all of us to 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 see and and to do and to to know and to have our perspectives and to get caught. You know what I'm saying? That's how they grab at our feelings. That's the common aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? We want to we want to start focusing more on the critical thinking skills. You know what I'm saying? Critical thinking where you can be authentic you can be an individual and you can still work with other people you know what i'm saying but you know what i'm saying it's all it's just a learning experience we're here to have a human experience you know what i'm saying everybody not gonna come along everybody not gonna be woke everybody not gonna be out the matrix all kin folk ain't skin folk and all that good cliche and and all those good scenes and all that other stuff, you know what I'm saying? I'm just here to give you a, a different taste, you know what I'm saying? This is a Taste to Consider podcast, the podcast of many tastes. We out of here. Like I said, I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon. Catch me on Instagram at Taste to Consider podcast. Check out my mental health blog, greatestiamblog.com. Instagram, greatest.i.am.blog. Also, check out the UNU Network, U-A-N-D-U underscore network on Instagram. All the podcasts on there, three stars, two bars, unprocessed knowledge, separate the two, reservation for three, code of and a taste to consider podcast. <sighs> I feel good. I finished under two hours. Can you believe that? I'm close to two hours, but I still finished <laughs> under two hours. So it's progress. Also, catch me out. Uh, catch me out. Here we go again with that. <laughs> Check me out on um <laughs> on YouTube. My cigar dying. So um, that's that's how I know it's it's it's, it's time to go. <laughs> Let me pull up a song. Let me pull up a song. You know, um, I don't have anything too uh relevant with um the show. 
before when I was pre-gaming, I was in a fabulous mood. So, I'll, you know what I'm saying? I'll play another fabulous song. You know, Fabulous was featured in the last song that I played in the intro. So, we got another fabulous song. Fabulous featuring Jeremiah. Dem Dem Slick. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe I did pre-game too hard. <laughs> Here we go. Taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. Let's go. Sometimes I like dick, sometimes I combine and I like them slick Them slick probably went over your head Couldn't lay up, I just went over for head Made a change of plans when she bent over the bed And now she on the balcony, pent over the ledge Been a few days, but I sent over some bread It can get rough with tuition and rent over your head Not to save hoes or rescue anybody But a nigga know what stress do to the body Not to seen you in the best shoes But Zanotti should be looking like fresh shoes on Bugatti's Say sticking to the podcast, let's go But I swear we all on one And if you do know that man, girl I be like, where you know I'm from? You so slick, so small, curvy Teeth all pearly, hair all curly Yes, sir Tomboy, now you all girly Never look tired, but you wake up all early Hit the gym, keep it toned up Progress, pick hole in your phone up Oh shit Waist getting smaller, niggas on Instagram like, damn, I need to call Let's go, uh, say sick and sit a podcast Perfect in my eyes No matter what they say, everything looking just right Uh-huh Sit a podcast, them slick, yes sir. Get ass in the gym, squat life. Gotta show them love in the era of the shot life. This is all from a mama, this is not knife. Niggas love her shit, give a fuck about life. Shout out to all the natural ladies out there. <laughs> Such a blessing to be natural, to love yourself, to be comfortable in yourself. Say sick to the podcast, the podcast of many tastes. Let's go. Say sick to the podcast. Yes, indeed. 
Shout out to all the women out there. It's Women History Month. Catch you next time. Indeed, taste to consider podcast. I am out. Let me run to the bathroom. <laughs>